You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I am not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist. And this is episode 78 of the Always Moto podcast. That's right, 78. We're going strong here at the Always Moto podcast. And as always, I'm your host, David Hogan. Thanks for joining us here in the Always Moto podcast studios. We will be joined later by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. And as always, I don't know what happens. Every week, we seem to just have this problem. He's still waiting to get paid. It hasn't ever made it to him. We'll have to wait and see if he gets anywhere this week. This is the Always Moto podcast, and we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick because that's what physios do, I keep getting told. As always on this show, we'll go through all things moto, but particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week on the show, we'll be looking back at the opening round of the Australian Supercross at Adelaide, and we'll also look back at the Motocross of Nations from Erne in France and the Aussie boys securing our best ever finish. Well done, boys. woo Second place. Uh, could have been a little better, but I think that French team had us well and truly covered. But let's jump through to the sponsor reads here on the Always Moto podcast. Bringing us the show again this week is Competitive Edge Performance. Are you looking to take your performance to the next level? You should be. Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. They offer in-person sessions and top-notch online programs that are accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training and performance methods so you can ride faster and safer and feel damn good doing it. With over 10 years industry experience and plenty more personal racing laps under their coaches' belts, they know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E. C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. Get on there, get yourself into shape. You'll thank me later. Thanks to Slantboard Guy and that amazing slant board that helps you in the gym. Thanks to Endurance Recovery Boots and those boots that pump up and just make you feel so relaxed once you've done with them. And Tech 167 3D Printing for those cool 3D printed parts, maintenance options for your bike. It's very, very cool to have those guys on board with us. And don't forget, we still have our T-shirts available. We've got plenty of them. We've restocked them. We are, they are $25 plus postage and handling. Get on board, send us an email to info at alwaysmoto.com and put t-shirt order in the subject line. 
and we'll send out those payment details via PayPal. Now, speaking of PayPal, jump in there on the PayPal, follow the links in the bio on the social pages uh, or in the show notes and you'll find all of these links, but particularly that PayPal one and you'll be able to send us a donation direct to help us get to these events and bring more and more content to you guys and girls out there listening to us here on the Always Moto podcast. But that's it. That's enough of that talk. Let's jump into the show. Hey, guys, it's Matt Moss here. We're tuning in with Always Moto's podcast. All right, we're kicking into the show. Benny, the contractor, is on the line. It's been a busy week of motorsport in Australia, mate. It has. It's a very good weekend, though. Yeah, I actually, funnily enough, with everything that was going on for me, I ended up with the kids down at a um, a mini carna day uh, down on the Central Coast here on Sunday. So I did not see any of the Bathurst race that we mentioned last week. Um, I saw the highlights afterwards, but that's about it, which is the least amount of laps of that I would have seen ever, I think, um, for, a, for a year. But um, between Nations, between Adelaide... It was a yeah, it was a busy busy weekend of motorsport. There's nothing short of um, you know content on TV to watch. That was for sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and I think everyone was you know watching uh, Saturday night, and then um, yeah, all backing up on Sunday to watch watch Bathurst, and then uh, yeah, back into it <laughs> Sunday night, very late to uh, yeah watch the nation. So uh, there was a lot of chatter in our group chat about what we were all watching and what we were thinking of it so um yeah it's a lot better when you can have a chat amongst people that enjoy what you enjoy and um you know instead of just sitting there not really doing anything i think that's the nice part about our little always moto um group chat that's been going on lately is that everyone is really an enthusiast and and you know some of those mates that you might have that you you watch your ride with aren't really that deep into the sport and understand it or know everybody as well as you do and but the group chat, everyone is like that same level. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. Like you're actually commenting on shit while the race is going on and it's all just going off in there. So it's been quite quite enjoyable to be a part of lately. I've I, um, been liking the comments and stuff in there. Not every one of them's good, but <laughs> for most of them are pretty good. Yes, no, some very hot takes in there. We'll um, <laughs> we'll, leave yeah, them we'll, there. we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's good. So, but like, look, it was interesting. But the the with the Adelaide coverage, like, obviously, we all got told a time, and I think it was quarter past six was the um, time in New South Wales that we got told it was going to start. And then, as soon as it was quarter past six, the group chat was going off. Why isn't it? Why can't we find it on Seven Plus? Where is it? I was one of them. Like, is anybody else having this problem? Or is it just me? I think we've all had that uh, issue of you know trying to watch AMA at some point and not being able to get online because somebody didn't press start on the feed or whatever. But it was just weird that it started like almost 40, 45 minutes later than than we're told. Uh, I don't know what that was going on about, but they definitely had the times wrong for that one. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, you know, 5.45 New South Wales time came and we went on and there was nothing. And then I actually think I said to one of the boys in the group chat, it might be, um, you know, daylight saving time. Uh, and, you know, they're half an hour behind, Adelaide's half an hour behind as it is. Then that takes us to 6.15 and then... Um, 6.15 it didn't come so uh, they're you know Adelaide's time 
uh, 5.45, it, it still didn't come on. So, yeah, I'm not sure what was going on. Yeah, hopefully they'll get that a bit more accurate for uh, everybody else when Newcastle rolls around. You know, I'll be sitting there in person, but, yeah, for everybody else, it was just a bit of a weird situation when they, when they said it was going to start at a certain time and nothing happened. There was one moment in that coverage while there was this, like a, you know, that loading, like the screen with just the logo on it, but they flicked over and they were doing, like, must have been doing opening ceremonies. It sort of went on for, like, a split second, and you could see in the stadium, but obviously they would that their start time was based on the stadium start time, which obviously they weren't broadcasting all of that. So, yeah, they got something a bit pear-shaped, but they needed to be a bit better on that one for for the uh, Newcastle and Melbourne rounds with their coverage, which obviously the Melbourne one they probably will be because it'll be with World Supercross. So it'll be a bit more a bit more accurate, I would think. But, um, no, look, it was awesome that it was on 7+. Plus. That was a, a nice bonus that we didn't have to pay for something and we could watch the content reasonably well. Um, it was pretty good coverage um, considering... We didn't have to pay for it. Yeah, it's you know it's one of those things. It's always find hard to find uh, a way to watch it, and um, yeah, luckily with the you know the start of World Supercross and um, getting that on Seven Plus, I think it's helped you know Australian Supercross get on there, so uh, everyone can get on the app. But geez, was there some questions asking how can I watch it? It's not on my TV. It's not here. It's not there. It's just on the app, people. That's yeah. where it's at. Yeah, Only got, the app. I actually, like, I, I got the app on the phone, but I actually, on my TV, um, obviously smart TVs these days, I actually was able to download the app straight onto the TV and just watch it from there. I didn't even have to cast it to it. So I was like, this is even better than, you know, usually I have to have the phone going and casting it across, and that can sort of create some buffering issues. But with it straight on the TV, I was, I was loving life. It was gold. So, yeah, I was quite happy with that on uh, Saturday night once it finally kicked off. But um, as for the racing, we had obviously that new format came into play. They, you know, had a smaller venue to run out of, but I think obviously this is going to make for some better racing at the bigger venues as well with this different format. Uh, And we ended up with um, some different winners, one the same from last year, but obviously we had Dean Wilson winning in SX1. Um, He hasn't obviously done too many Australian rounds. He's done one. I think it was last year, he did the Melbourne round before he went off to have uh, join his partner while she was having the baby for him. But So he, Dino got a win and he was a bit, I think he was a little bit uh, happy with himself that he finally got a win. It had been a while since he'd won a race, he said, on socials and whatnot. Uh, but Max Anstey won SX2, Parker Ross won SX3, and Jack Nunn won in the CR22 Cup on the 85. So the Honda boys had a nice night for the main classes. Uh, and then obviously, I think Jack's Jack's gas gas, isn't he? So, um, yeah, bit of a bit of a red show um, on on Saturday night at the opener in Adelaide, Benny. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we we sort of both uh, picked picked Anstey to back up, um, you know, back up the title, and he was straight back there um, up front. Uh, yeah, I think Dean was a bit happy, like you said. Um, it's been a been a long time. Since um, you know he's probably won a race, um, which think, you know it's it's. If I go back correctly, and you might be able to help with this one, was the last time he won something? Was that when he was on Rockstar Husky and he was out here for the Ozex Open and he beat Anderson that night, the one night? I I'm not sure. I think the la- I think he said I heard him say on. Uh, somewhere I can't remember where it was that he thinks the last time he had a red plate was Auckland Supercross 
whenever that was, that that 2019, been, 2018. That would have been that from that um, that link there. So, yeah, he would have had that from the Aussex. Yeah. Then they went to, went to um, yeah, Auckland for that race. That was all linked up as part of that Oceania series that was happening there, whatever that was for one or two years there. But, um, but yeah, so that's it's a while ago. Yeah, it is. But, you know, it's, we, we all love him. So it's, uh, it's, you know, good to see him win and good to see him get some confidence. I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll take that to the next round of World Supercross and then back here for, um, you know, AusX rounds and then, yeah, back to Melbourne. Yeah, obviously, um, Yareev was probably pretty happy with things on uh, Saturday night, but the, that Honda team is very stacked with, with talent this year and i dare say the uh the uh, salary bill for the riders is pretty far up there too i would think yeah well they've got you know they've got one in every class and um like you said they won sx1 sx2 and sx3 so um yeah he's got to be happy but yeah like uh anstey said all through the supercross season those uh those bonuses should be uh starting to stack up for your reef <laughs> yeah max wills and max was saying he was tipping him upside down and shaking him or something like that for yeah, yep. every penny out of his pocket so yeah he's, he's he started his account again max has has so that, um but if you look at that honda team in just the like the sx1 class there's dino brayton and kyle webster like that's a pretty formidable team just in those three guys let alone the rest of the field so you know it's um Pretty stacked up there in that Honda team, but they obviously did really well to open it up. They went one-two with Brayton in, in second there as well um, in the SX SX one class. So very very nice way to start. Um, now I will say this, but Mossy can get a whole shot. He can, um, and just from from just about anywhere. Well. This is this is my point. Like he got one in that uh, main event from almost. I think he was like gate seven or eight. He was he was out there, and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure he's doing a little flex at the start of that um, before they put their um, before they went to the thirty second board or whatever they were using there. Um, that he was doing a little flex, you know, as if to say like I've got this already. Like he knew, like that's just confidence, man. Yeah, and he. You know, he he's not phased. He, you know, he'll show that he, you know, he loves to call people out and you know show his confidence. So, um, yeah, that's you know, he's not someone that you want <laughs> to give confidence to. No, like he was obviously confident in those starts, but I feel like in early in that race when he was in front of Dino and he ended up behind Dino. I feel like he gave that to him, and I think he sort of alluded to that. He didn't quite say it exactly like that when he did the, that, that podium interview, but I feel like that's where he was. And, and I think that just being a little bit new and maybe still learning that Cowie and the Empire Kawasaki team and what they've got on that bike and how it all feels, and then obviously in that smaller track, he sort of alluded to it as well that you know he's got four weeks to get himself into gear for, for Newcastle. I hate to think what he's going to come out like at Newcastle if he's confident, this confident already, you know. Um, he could be somebody really to challenge for this title uh, down the last two rounds here. Well, you, that's true. You've got to think of, you know, he won in that stadium last year. He did. Um, yeah, so, you know, that'll be 
you know, that'll be in his head as well. So, yeah, the amount of confidence he'll have uh, come Newcastle and, you know, a bit more time on the bike and whatnot, um, yeah, I'd say he'll be just as good, if not better. Now, the track itself, there wasn't too many passing opportunities. Um, Unless there was a bit of a mistake, uh, there wasn't much happening passing-wise. They did get a bit of contact to obviously make make passes because there wasn't much room. But despite that track being fairly simple, there was still a lot of crashes, um, particularly in those junior classes. Yeah, and I'm just going to say those kids in the junior class are ridiculous. <laughs> in you what know, way? Just, <laughs> just hitting, you know, hitting the triple. Um, I sort of some kids there were hitting the triple, and others were doing the double single. And I just held my breath because I thought someone's going to land on someone. Uh, you could just, just looking at it, I just thought something was going to happen. But um, yeah, you know, they're all they're all going for it, trying to be, you know, trying to win. And you know, these mistakes happen. And uh, when you've got you know such a tight track, um, you know, you just can't make a mistake. Yeah, but you, I hear what you're saying. But the kids have no fear, mate, and they've never, they've never even crossed their mind that they might get landed on if they double, single, a triple. Like it's not even a thought, you know. Like they're just like, I'm just racing this dirt bike, you know. Like that's what they're thinking about. So there is that, you know, no care attitude sort of thing. But that triple, I will, uh, you know, on that point of them actually sending that triple. It was a pretty safe triple for them to actually have a crack at. Like compared to a normal Supercross triple, I feel like it was filled in a bit better because of the because of the stadium size. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, some hit it and some didn't. So there's obviously the you know some that are like you said have no fear and some that are a little bit you know sketchy about it, but. Um, yeah, considering you know they are a bit, they can be a bit bigger. Um, it was probably all right. Yeah, I think it was a good one for them to like for the eighty-five cup guys. It was a good track for them to start into. Mind you, that whoop section seemed to claim a uh, claim a few too many in that area for that group. But um, that sort of sucked in that race for their main event that they that one. I'm not sure who it was. I've, I haven't written that down on these notes here, but um, I'm not sure who went down in that main. But that sort of put a bit of a hamper on the on the racing of that one and obviously we hope that that person's all right but um i think there might have been a need to sort of either you know red flag and restart that race because it was a bit bit dodgy trying to send those kids rolling through those whoops with the kid at the end of it and then still call it a race i wasn't really feeling that that um, vibe that they ended up there at the end of that that race there yeah i think they probably should have just flown the threat thrown the flag got him up you know made sure he was all right and then um you know either you know stagger start or something like that or just you know end it where it was yeah it just it just didn't feel right that that was you know called a race at that point and the other part of that is too like the track was a reasonably short duration to do it and i think they had the time in the program that they could have restarted that thing if they depending on what the rules are for the australian supercross side of things whether it's a full restart or a staggered we'd have to check into that for the australian side of things but yeah i feel like they had the time to do it as well so yeah just they'll probably learn from that they might do things differently um in the future but yeah just be nice to let the kids race you know not just be sort of having to be like that whoop section was a big section of the of the track that would was not able to be you know competitive on so a bit disappointing in that aspect now speaking of 
um, crashes and bits and bumps and bruises. It was an interesting night for a few people. Um, one that I feel got really hard done by who had a pretty solid night going until the LCQ and got a bump at the very beginning was Joel Whiteman. Uh, he had some pretty good speed in that SX1 class. He was up there in second in one of the heats for a while and then finished third. And then in that LCQ, he was right there at the start. But I, th- I think you mentioned at the start, you thought it might have been Luke Clout, but not sure who it was. But somebody bumped him in that initial uh, first corner there and he just shot off the side of the track. And that was the end of his night because once you're at the back of that pack and even just a few seconds behind the back of that pack, that track's not big enough with enough, you know, enough separation that they could make any time up. And he lost out on that one, unfortunately. It was just, yeah, you, you think there should have been a bit more in it for him, but one mistake and that was the end of his night. Yeah, well, we talked about it last week. Um, you know, we said that it might be, you know, it'll be tight and it'll be small and with this different... Um, yeah, in the different format, one mistake and that's the end of your night. And that proved to be the case for him and uh, quite a few others. Yeah, well, uh, it's still like for one of the others, it wasn't a great night, but at least it mended into the main and that was Nathan Crawford on that KDM Australia ride. But I, I don't think that would be a great night for, for, for Nathan there. Um, ninth is not what he's looking for. But the one that really probably stings the most uh, after qualifying fastest for the SX2 in the day side of things. Reese Bud didn't even manage to make the main event. Um, just things didn't fall his way with the heats and the LCQ. And he just, yeah, he's the probably the biggest name to miss out because of this new 10-man main event format. Yeah, and you'd, uh, you would think that he'd be pretty disappointed with that. And, you know, that's pretty much his chance at any kind of... Um, you know, being there at the end um, for the title, it, it's gone. I don't know. I'm sort of with you but because it's only three rounds, but there is still the chance that one of these other guys has exactly the same thing happen to him or two or three of them have it happen to him. You know, like it wouldn't take much for one first corner crash and you're done for it, exactly like what happened to Joel Whiteman. So there is still a chance, but it's a long way for him to get back into that. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be simple. And you're relying on multiples of those things happening, so and it's unlikely. So, but yeah, that would sting if you're if you're respied, unfortunately. Now, the next round of this Supercross series is going to be at the McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle on 11th of November, which was the next thing that these guys will all be working towards. And as we stated before, Mossy's going to be working his butt off for four weeks because we think he's going to be having a having a bit of a hard crack at this one coming up here. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, and then obviously we're finishing in Melbourne with the World Supercross there at the 24th of November and 25th of November. So things to look forward to from Australian Supercross, which is awesome. Now, I wanted to just quickly touch back onto our how our championship picks are looking after w- round one. How are, we, how are you sitting with your SX1 pick, Benny, of uh, Aaron Tanty so far? Well, I was actually a little surprised uh, by Tanty. I know he did make a mistake uh, in that final, but um, it's not looking that great, but it's still a possibility. So, um, you know, there's always hope. Yeah, I think he, it, it, like he just missed out. He was sixth, wasn't he? I think if I got that result right, he was... Yeah, that was Josh Josh Hill, Luke Clout, and uh, Tanty were fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yeah, so he's, he's probably... 
I would have preferred him to be in Luke Clout's position or Kill's position to be just a bit tighter into that that title fight. But uh, he's there. He's only like he's ten points back from Dean Wilson, but um, he's got some work to do. He's going to have to not have a dodgy round at, at two or three to make this happen. So, uh, and again, probably going to have to rely on some bad luck to to Wilson or Brayton because they've got a few points on him at this point in time. But yeah, it wasn't. Wasn't a great night really at all for the CDR boys, I don't think. And no, well, like I just mentioned, you know, they were um, fourth, f- fifth, and sixth, and um, you know, Clout had a tip over in the uh, in the heat, and then had to go to the uh, LCQ. I think Tint, he was in the LCQ as well, and Josh Hill. I think all three of them might have been so. Um, from what I can remember, so yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't ideal, but I guess you know you, they're still in with a shot. So I'd say um, you know they'll be happy with. They might not be happy, but they should be happy with what they ended up with. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm feeling pretty good about my Dean Wilson pick for the championship after round one. So that's a nice thing. And then obviously, we should both be feeling pretty good about our SX2 pick in Max Anthony because obviously he he had that field pretty well covered without much hassle at all. Yeah, and, you know, like I said off the top, um, he was, you know, just sort of straight back into where he was uh, last year. Yeah, exactly. He's, he just looks comfortable. Whatever it is, since he's been on that bike with with Honda and Uribe, he just, he's just comfy. He just, he's a different man. Um, things are working for him. Obviously, he's in a comfortable environment. So, good on him. Um, let's see what he see if he can sweep through these next two rounds and um, really shake the pockets of Uribe for those bonus checks. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's switch our attention over to the other main event on the weekend, which was Motocross of Nations. Pretty good effort from the Aussie boys. We got our best finish yet in a Nations event. We managed to get second overall. Now, we're obviously one short of where we were hoping to be, but... Holy crap, was the French team very, very good uh, on home soil. And they were. Um, they were fast. And, um, you know, I think I think VR was a bit of a surprise um, to me. He did really well. Um, it was like he, like he never left, really. He had a point um, of feel. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that some of those, you know, the racing was um, really good to watch. Yeah, again, I kind of it kind of sort of linked in for me with the um with the Adelaide round. The track just felt a bit confined. It's very, uh, when did you put it? It's very narrow. I feel like um, yeah. just it didn't look wide. Just at all. watching maybe it's the camera angle or something, and maybe being on the side of the hill. The other thing that probably I, I, might have added to that that bannering system that they had, that fence. Did you see that fence that they were sticking the banners to in sections? It just looked like a bloody a bamboo fence, you know, like that we'd put up around a garden area or something. But it was like all staked up and just skinny poles everywhere. It sort of, yeah, I felt like that was a bit, one, dangerous, but two, maybe visually made the track look even smaller because it just, it was like a wall around the whole thing. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I suppose we're so used to uh, seeing the tracks in the US. It's just a completely different look. So I guess one thing we're not used to it um, and maybe that's that's why, but uh, it did, you know, it did look very narrow. Yeah, just 
just something about a European circuit probably just gives that that vibe anyway. You're thinking it's going to be a bit that way. It, the side of the hill view, you know, from the track being built onto it is pretty nuts. And that, obviously that doesn't give you a lot of room to work with either for the width of your lanes because you've got to cut into the hill to get the track flat. Um, but yeah, look, the French team was just super fast. Um, Vial proved the point there. As much as everyone thinks he was probably on the European, um, you know, Euro spec bike, apparently he wasn't. How much you can believe of that, you'll never know. Um but he was super fast. Febra was really fast. I just feel like that last moto, he knew he didn't have to at that point. And Maxim Renault, he surprised me. He was actually a lot better than I thought he was going to be, particularly with those, um, you know, he's basically winning from everywhere. So, yeah, he was he was awesome. Yeah, and they were all just, you know, really quick. And, yeah, that's they ended up with, I think there's, what, tw- a 20... 20 point gap difference from you know France to us so um yeah they did everything they could do and um yeah they cleaned it up yeah look we did I think we did reasonably well I feel like there was a little bit we probably should have been a bit closer uh in terms of the scores like probably not you know challenging as such but I feel like we could have had five to ten points less if one if um if Jet didn't get stuffed up in that first moto, um, unfortunately he didn't do his usual thing. He was trying to in those first few corners and to make all those moves like he usually had been all AMA season long. But he finally made his mistake when he was doing it and just bounced off the track and crashed himself, which was a bit surprising and just obviously from Team Australia point of view, bad timing. Um, but yeah, I reckon he could have probably won that first moto. So there's five points off. And then... Hunter just, he was good, but I feel like he was just a tick off where he could have been if he hadn't have had that SMX crash in LA. And we probably could have had two or three more places out of him each moto in an, in an improvement. Uh, and that would have just tightened that up a bit more. But look, nitpicking there. We got second overall. It's our best finished ever. Uh, we should be very proud of these boys. And, and Dean Ferris, look, he... Very solid. Um, quite surprised, but he was very solid. He beat Plessinger. He beat Craig in that second or third race, um, second moto for them, uh, which was – I don't think anybody would have picked that at, at going in. No, I think, he, you know, he had big pressure on him. Um, you know, you you got to back up the Lawrence brothers, um, so there would have been a lot of pressure on him and – um yeah he didn't cave he did have a you know a bit of a crash on i think um the qualifying day but um yeah when it came to the mains he did really well and you know like i said you got to back the back the lawrence boys up it's hard but he um he did what he had to do yeah no he did a really nice job of it and he should be really proud of his efforts and he can hang that uh that podium medal and and that on his wall and uh have that memory forever that he he was second at the nation so yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to have in the back pocket. But um, a couple of things that came out of it as well, injury-wise, um, there was a couple of big crashes that went on, particularly on the Saturday, that ruled a couple of guys out. One in particular, and if you haven't seen this video going around on Instagram uh, and even Twitter, you should check it out. It's the Grant Harlan crash. Now, the views initially on the weekend were for more from a distance or a different angle, and you didn't really get the the, the con- 
you know, the context of the crash, but this new one from side on of the jump where he actually just basically skips over the down bike and just ejects off the end of the tabletop. You can see why he broke his pelvis um, and he's very lucky to get away with only a broken pelvis is, is what I understand. Uh, it is a massive crash. Now, we have, I have checked in with Grant. I just sent him a quick message. He said he's doing okay uh, and we talk a bit more later. Obviously, he's still, you know, working things out, but we believe that he's trying to get back from France probably as as we're speaking, um, and his plan was to get surgery and everything in America when he gets home. So he's probably on a fair few painkillers at the moment, having a not-so-good journey home, uh, not what he expected from the nations, and it's going to throw his World Supercross efforts with CDR um, in the can because that'll be the end of his season at this point in time too. So... No um, no more World Supercross for Grant Harlan. And it means that CDR is probably looking for a fill-in, Benny. Well, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, just going back to the crash, he's lucky that's all that broke. Um, the crash was video, just ridiculous. I put it in the group chat, the yeah, different angle cool. of it. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I know that that's all he's got, but he's, um, he's very lucky. That's, you know, that's all he's got, but, um, yeah, it sucks that he won't get to, you know, do the last two, especially with, uh, England wasn't, um, wasn't a great round for him, but, um, yeah, I think there's a few teams that, uh, you know, might be looking for a fill in, um, now. Yeah. Look, uh, it's kind of convenient to this one. I've got in our notes here. This is just me purely speculating, but, if you go back a little bit here when when World Supercross was trying to get all set up at the beginning when they were doing all the extra rounds and there was that talk from other media sources that Cooper Webb was sniffing around trying to get that KDM deal ended early so that he'd get on the, on the star racing bike and then potentially do some World Supercross rounds as well. It would not be very... Would it not be convenient now that CDR has an open spot that's a Yamaha team that Cooper Webb wanted to do some Supercross rounds and maybe didn't have such a great SMX on the first, you know, SMX rounds on the Yamaha when he's transitioned, that he could have some more race prep before the AMA kicked off in January. Would it not seem convenient that that would all line up at this point to you, Benny, too? Or is it just me that's connecting dots here? Well, uh, it could, and you're, you know, you're on a, you're on a good thing there, but... There might be, and this I have no idea, there might be another Yamaha team with a spot open if Moss doesn't go back to club and just focuses on OzX, you know, OzSX and stays on the Cowie. So there could be two spots, who knows? Yeah, I don't know about that one, but the other part of that story <laughs> too is that there's like with the club side of things... I don't know what's happening. There's lots of rumours floating around with Enzo Lopes at present too. So whether he will be there on the SX2 bike is another thing yet as well. So watch this space. I'm sure there's going to be some announcements because those, uh, what the next um, World Supercross round in Abu Dhabi is coming up in about, what are we, about three weeks' time now, I think it is. So, yeah, there's going to be some movement in that space. So, yeah, watch that one. But um, if, if, if uh, Cooper Webb ends up on CDR for World Supercross, you just remember you heard it here first on the Always Motor podcast. 
that'll be really big too. Um, you know, I'd say there's a fair few uh, web fans here in Australia that, you know, may may have gone last year and thought, oh, I might, you know, I might skip this year. And, you know, if that happens, um, there might be a few people, you know, making their way instead of sitting at home. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Would it not make for, one, obviously you pointed out more ticket sales, but the racing would be, uh, could be a hell of a lot more interesting with uh, Kenny Cooper, Freeze <laughs> could be interesting. <laughs> well, there's been plenty of um, you know plenty of close encounters with Webb and Kenny, so um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, exactly. Now let's move back. There's still another injury from that MX of Nations. Glenn Koldenoff wasn't able to race for the Netherlands on the Sunday event. He managed to knock himself out and break a rib during the qualifying races. Again, not a crash of his own fault, but just caught up in some other issues and yeah, managed to get himself in a bit of a pickle. So he wasn't able to race the main event there on Sunday, which was unfortunate. And that was basically the end of his time there with uh, that Yamaha team in Europe. So he's looking for that next, or he's on that next ride. I think, I don't know what that is actually at this point. I'm not up on all the Euro things as best as I am with AMA. So yeah, that was an interesting one there. So those two guys had some issues. There were some other injuries along the way, but those were the two main ones. And obviously that Harlan one, if you haven't seen that crash, you should go and check it out on Instagram somewhere. It'll be there. Um, and it's worth watching because it's a bit of a wolf moment. Now let's switch gears again, Benny. Uh, the news has finally dropped from KTM. It's official. Chase Sexton is with Red Bull KTM for 2024. I believe it's 2025, and it might even be 2026 because it says multi-year deal, and that would mean more than just the two-year deal. So might be quite the lengthy signature there with uh, Chase and KTM. And he's also changed numbers to a career number. Um, I found that opening video a little bit interesting to announce the change uh, and I found the v- images of him on that KDM and that number four just just a bit, uh, oh, that's different. I, you know, didn't, didn't look right at that point in time, but obviously it's all brand new at this stage. Uh, yes, it is uh, very new and all, um, you know, very different. It's gone from Monster to Red Bull and... Um, you know, different color bike, different number. Um, I, I like it. I think it looks good. Um, yeah, there's a few people in the group chat, you know, talking about the number and whatever else. He had pretty good branding with the 23, but I'm sure, you know, he'll work his own stuff out with the four um, and it'll just be normal, you know. Well, we won't see it till the outdoor season, but... Um, yeah, I think it'll be normal. So, uh, yeah, nice fresh change for him and we'll just have to, you know, see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, the video was interesting for me putting, you know, the Honda <laughs> crashes in the video. That was something that caught my eye. It was, uh, it was, so. I don't know whether that was a dig, whether that was a, thank God I'm off of that, uh, or if it was just a, this is my story and this is where I am. I, I don't know what their intention was there, but. I think a few people have read it the wrong way than what they intended. So, yeah, that was an interesting interesting opening act to that video. But, um, yeah, look, he's with KTM now. So we'll have to see how it all goes and how well that front wheel stays in the rut. 
Yes, well, that's, you know, it didn't, um, you know, it didn't take long for, yes, our group chat to bring that question up. <laughs> they went straight um, to it. They, so, no, no missing with yeah. those guys. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll just have to, yeah, wait and see. And, you know, is the the pressure of that number one plate going to make the front of that KTM even heavier? Who knows? I did in the group chat. Did you see that bit about the fact that the <laughs> ink was heavier in the in the number one? And then and then somebody asked, well, what about the red plate? Does that make it heavier too? I was like, geez, yeah. guys, you're reading, really reading into that number one, you know, that heavy plate aspect. But, yeah, it could be onto something. Maybe the ink is heavier for the red and the one. I don't know. <laughs> but, Jesus Christ, that was some, that was one of those spin-off moments. So, anyway, yes. But, look, on the, um, on the number side of things with his change from 23 to 4, I initially didn't like it. I don't know why. I just didn't – I felt like he – like you said, he had good branding with the 23 and that whole – you know, Alpine Stars, you know, Bulls, Illinois, like he's from the Illinois area, he, he, like state, he's, he's a Bulls fan. And that gear all looked really cool. And he was obviously utilizing the number well with Jordan and that sort of things. But when I heard some other information about why he went to the four and that it was actually his first ever number that he rode with at a race, and then thinking about the fact that if, if it was me and I won a national title and could pick a, a single digit as a career number, I was all in on it. I kind of, I just kind of came around to the fact that we went, well, yeah, he won a national title. It links back to something that he sees as the start of all of this. It makes perfect sense. It just, I've just got to get used to looking at it now. That's, that's for me, that's where we're at. Yeah, I think, you know, all his, all his reasons, are, you know, that's that's fine like you said it was his first number um so yeah i mean i don't have a problem with it it does look different um but you know it'll only take a few races and it'll just be normal so uh yeah we'll we'll get used to it i do want i do want the designer of the four to maybe just get a little bit of um either pressure about maybe copyrights for baggots four i feel like they could have done it a little bit more differently yeah, maybe. There's only so much you can do with the four, though, without, you know, oh, changing there's it. thousands of fonts you can use. <laughs> <laughs> he just has to do a Google search, and we could have come up with something a little bit more different for my liking. But, look, it, it is what it is. It just When I saw that, I was like, oh, they've still got those number fours from Rocky Mountain KDM days that they must have had hanging around the KDM factory somewhere because they, they just look very similar. So, anyway, maybe... Maybe they're not. Maybe when we put them side by side, there is some differences. But just from afar and those first images, I was like, oh, that looks very s- the same. <laughs> so anyway, we'll move on from that. But yeah, I can understand why he's got the four now and, and I'm, I'm with him. I'd be picking a, cr- a single-digit career number if it was me. I'd be ditching my traditional 127 for, for, a, for a single digit if they gave me the opportunity. So <laughs> one of those dream things that you just go ahead and do. All right, let's... Um, Let's continue straight into the next segment that we've been running here now on the show for a couple of weeks. We're going to go into Blair's ball-breaking babble, and he's got another question for us, Benny. So you're ready to check this one out this week? I'm ready. Let's see what he's got to say. You're ready. Let's go. All right. Lads, how are you? Did that event remind you of Chad Reed versus Pastrana in that tight little stadium? Or did it remind you of Peter Melton winning his title in 94? Did Australian Supercross miss the mark 
with the first round coming straight off after the SMX and after all the world motocross, did they miss a mark trying to promote a series showing that race on that track? Ooh, he's gone straight to the, the Adelaide track and and maybe the size and maybe implicating things that size does matter in a supercross track. What do you reckon, Benny? Well, first off, I can't say it reminded me of the bloke winning the title because I was born that year. <laughs> so I can't... Uh... <laughs> Brain cells didn't work that far back, Benny. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I can't. Uh, no, I can't give him an answer for that. But uh, I mean, look, I probably would have liked to have seen it back where it was last year, which I think was the showgrounds. Um, I know that everyone, you know, might sit a bit further back, and it's probably a bit harder to see. But yeah, I'm not so sure about that track. Um, yeah, and like we said earlier, it was tight. It was you know, sort of one line didn't make for great racing. Um, but, you know, on on TV, does it make it look smaller than it actually is um, than in real life? I know I watched, you know, um, I was at World Supercross last year in Melbourne and then I came home, watched it on the TV and the track looked, you know, a bit smaller than it actually was. So uh, that could be a possibility too, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, look, I've got a lot of thoughts on this, all right? I I don't mind that they tried it, but I don't like what happened from it. So there's a lot of there's a lot of this, right? The track was 22 seconds long. That's too short. That's not a racetrack. That's you're riding around a postage stamp. I know that like Denny Ham and Lee Hogan on the coverage were all nostalgic about the fact that they'd race there and that it's great that the Australian Supercross was back and that, you know, you had to make passes with contact because that's how you did it in arenas and short tracks. And all that's great in the 90s when the bikes weren't as fast and they could basically jump that whole stadium in one jump. Sometimes nostalgia doesn't work in modern times and I think this is an example of it. The track was not good. It was basic. Um, anyone who saw the the Dean Wilson, Max Anstey little clip from before the event where they're pretty much taking the piss out of the um, track size, they're spot on. Um, it's not good. If you want to compare nostalgia that worked and nostalgia that didn't work, well, the didn't work is Adelaide and the did work was the LA Coliseum a few weeks back. He is, Blair's spot on with the fact that what we just presented to the world on free coverage that they could all access versus what we just saw on Super Motocross and, you know, MX of Nations and GPs and all that sort of stuff, this was pretty bad in terms of the racing being small, the track basically disappeared in no time. That main event for, what was, how many laps they did? 20 laps. It, wouldn't, it wasn't even eight minutes for the, for the whole main event because it was a 22-second lap time. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, yeah, like you said, for everyone to see that across the world, it's you know, as our top tier competition, it needs to be bigger and better. Yeah, like you said back in, back in the day, the nostalgic of it. Um, again, I was too young to know that. Like you know, watch any of that, see it. But you know, that's we heard that over the weekend. 
Um, and like you said, that's fine. But, you know, it's 2023, not back then. Well, look, I remember like that one that Blair brings up about Pastrana and Reedy battling. I remember that in the entertainment center. I went to the entertainment center and watched these things as a kid. The tracks were shit back then. They're shit now, <laughs> you know. It doesn't mean it's worth doing again, but that's all they had access to back then because I think that the nobody knew back then how to, at least in Australia, how to then go and set up a, ven- a track in a venue like a McDonald Jones Stadium and not destroy the place and then have, you know, people suing them for the turf being destroyed and all that sort of business. So obviously things have come a long way. We shouldn't go back to that. We should be looking for other venues. There's other options. It doesn't have to be a big, expensive McDonald Jones Stadium every time around. There are plenty of regional football stadiums that will have a grandstand that you can utilise for the event and have a decent football-sized floor plan to put a track on. You won't have the full grandstand around both sides and both ends, but you'll still get, you know... Five to 10,000 on a grandstands on maybe one or two sides of it and have a hill or something, you'll still see a lot better than that. Like you said, the Adelaide round last year was good. I It was good track, but it was bad in the sense of viewing because I hate it when you're at a Supercross and you're on ground level because you can only see what's in front of you. If you want to have this sport grow, you need to be able to encourage the spectators to see what's going on. So like I said, there's regional venues, regional football fields that will have stadiums Maybe not massive ones, but they'll be able to accommodate it. We should look at those. That would be the cheaper options to get into the, into those places and have a reasonable racetrack and a reasonable venue that we don't then have these poor guys like Reese Budd or Joel Whiteman getting bumped off tracks um, in a first corner that's no bigger than a two square metres and you're trying to put 10 bikes into it. Yeah, that's right. And like you said, there's so many places, you know. We've had... Supercross in Wynn Stadium in Wollongong. Um, we've got it in Newcastle. We've had it, you know, Wagga wasn't the best, but it, you know, it wasn't bad. It was a regional area. Um, you know, there's, there's so many places they could have it other than, yeah, other than in the tight uh, arena. Yeah. Like even I remember we went to uh, Mait- uh, was it Maitland. No, it was Newcastle Showgrounds. Uh, one year when Chad was here, um, Mar- Jay Marmont was um, on the CDR and and Danny M- Daniel McCoy was, I think, was might have been on CDR as well that year even. And they were battling it out. But they at least in the showground there had a stadium on one end. The rest of the place was still flat and they had people sitting down. But they could, you know, you could get those seating tickets if you wanted them. Um, but they had a decent track that was worth watching. You know, that track wasn't worth watching for me. I'm probably going to get in trouble from Australian Supercross because of it, but because of these comments. But if we're going to present something, you know, as a national series, present something that's worth showing it to, to the world. Don't don't bring out a 22-second track and be, you know, laughed out of town because of it. Oh, no, that's right. And, I mean, they can put a Supercross track anywhere. It's not, it's not hard. Like, I remember... Oh, geez, it's going back now, but probably 2015, maybe 2014, uh, at the MotoGP, they had a Supercross track up on Lukey oh, Heights. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And it, and it was, and it was, it was a perfect track. There was nothing wrong with it, and it was bigger than what was in uh, Adelaide. Um, you know, you could stand right next to the fence. Yes, like you said, ground level. You couldn't 
really see anything, but you had plenty of room to sort of move around. Um, but you could see, you know, they made it. It was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. So they can put it anywhere. Yeah, it, it can be. They just, I think they just need a bit better. I feel like some of these things are rushed. They're not take. They're not planning these things far enough out to get the venues that they really should have, or at least they're not looking at the right places. They're trying to be like I think they obviously picked that because it's in Adelaide. It's probably in the city. I didn't look exactly where it was, but from access point of view, it's probably pretty good. But you just go twenty, thirty minutes out of town, and I'm sure you could find a decent football stadium. You know that's not in use. Um, at this time of year and build something spectacular and and still have you know great attendance like yes that place was pretty close to full by the looks of it but i wouldn't have think thought there's many seats in that place either because it is a small venue so they just need to do something a bit different that wasn't that wasn't a super cross race for me that was a postage stamp you know rip a couple of corners and you're back to those back to the same spot again so Anyway, it is what it is. But, yeah, good question there, I think, from uh, from Blair this week on uh, Blair's ball breaking babble. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could have – if if you could choose, so say you were – I'm in charge you now, know, right? Let's you, go. <laughs> you're, you're in charge and they – obviously the places let you do it and say, all right, we'll give you four rounds. Where would you try to get those four rounds? Well, you want to go like a Queensland round because obviously a lot of the uh, um, riders are actually based in Queensland nowadays, so that would they'd be happy with that, right? So you'd have to go to someone like, and we went there once before. It was um, oh, I can't remember what that stadium's called now. Is it Q Q something? It's Queens, Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Maybe that's it. I can't remember what it's called. It's probably changed names five times. That's the other thing. I hate what these stadiums do when they change their names every other year because a sponsor comes in and you can't can't remember which one's which. But it's uh, it was used for the rugby guys for a while there, and it had decent stadium. Uh, it was out like no roof or anything, but it was a big big floor plan. Chad was there on a cowie that year, so it must have been 2010, 20, 2009 or. T- end of 2009, heading into 2010, he would have been on the Monster Cowie. So yeah, that one was good. That would be that would work if it's still there. Um, something yeah, something that like that. The um, one I named is a newer one, so it must have been a different one. Yeah, it might be the older one. I can't. Remember. It's just out of town. Um, but yeah, it it would be a great great sort of sort of possibility, right? It would be a cheaper rent. It's got plenty of seatings, but it's a football field size, right? So that's that sort of thing. That'd be great. In Queensland, you'd have to go something like Keep McDonald Jones. Um, maybe go something like um, Campbelltown Sports Stadium where the West Tigers play out of because it's a still a football field venue. It's still got a decent stadium, but it's not a stadium Australia or something where the, <coughs> where the rent is going to be massive and astronomical. But it's in a town like Campbelltown, where people have a motocross track not far away at Appen. Um, and that, that area is people that are into riding. So you're going to get a lot of people coming into that to watch because of its proximity of, of you know people that are interested in it. So that would be another one. Then you have to go something like you're obviously going to tie in Melbourne, right, because the World Supercross round seems to be there. So that one is already set. That's the big showpiece event. That's great. But then, the, yeah, Adelaide, I don't know. Adelaide all that well but there's got to be a place to to incorporate that and then at least you're then tying in something for 
you know, the Perth sort of viewers that they could come on a shorter flight to Adelaide and watch the race. And that would be, that would be my, f- what we got there. Two in New South Wales, one in Queensland, one in Victoria. We'd have five rounds there if that was me. Yeah, that's not bad. Oh, is that all you got? Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's all I've got. Well, come uh, on. Have uh, you got uh, any throw-ins? Uh, where, where would you like to see it? Where would you like to see a race? Have you got any ideas? So, Townsville has that new Country Bank Stadium. It's the uh, the Cow- uh, North yeah. Queensland Cowboys new stadium. Probably that. Um, yeah, I'd me, keep McDonald Jones. Away. For me, that Townsville is too far away. You're not going to get people going to it. You're going to get locals and the and the people coming for the race itself, as in you know, organisers, team team people, team hangers on. You know, I don't think you're getting people flying up there just for the weekend for it to watch as a fan. Yeah, I suppose that's a point. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um. Yeah, well, we'll take that one out then. <laughs> <laughs> Start again. So you still got um, yeah. McDonald Jones, you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd keep McDonald Jones. I'd keep. Well, I'd put Wynn Stadium back in. I don't mind. Um, I I've love seen. Wollongong, so I would. I would happily go with that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wollongong's like my second home, and I've seen everything in that stadium but a football match. Um, I've seen Supercross there twice, and I think Nitro Circus I've seen there twice. Yep. So. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a good stadium. And then obviously, you know, like you said, you've got Melbourne and, yeah, I don't know. I, I would love to see it and I know, you know, it doesn't go there as it is, but I think Optus Stadium they in Perth, they could really, you know, do something great there. But, you know, it's a bit like Townsville. It's, it's too far away. You know the other thing that I would have liked to see and I thought was going to happen with World Supercross coming in was that Auckland round that you mentioned before. I thought that was going to be a part of the World Supercross series. I thought there was going to be like, you know, you'd go New Zealand one week, maybe have two, like a weekend off and then be in Melbourne for the final. And it hasn't happened. But I'd love to see a New Zealand round in there, you know, because it is only a very short trip across um, for us here and just make it part of the Australian Supercross. Like you've got, you know, Ben Townley and his kid coming over to do the Australian Supercross. Why not take one round over there? You'd get a lot of them joining in. Yeah, I think they need to add that in as well. Um, And I mean, they might, who knows, but um, yeah, I guess at least we've got something and we're moving forward, but um, I guess these are just all our um, all our wishes and <laughs> what we oh, would like. We just said we were in charge. It's fine. We can do whatever we want. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> when money's no object and you've got no fallback on any any of this stuff, you can say t- you can say outlandish shit. So yeah. <laughs> uh, all good. All right. Well, that's. I think that's enough of our uh, you know outlandish dreaming about Supercross venues, but. Uh, Let's take a break here on the uh, Always Motor podcast. We'll be back with some more stuff after this. Hey, this is Cole Thompson, and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Let's jump into this emergency department for this week, which will cover a little bit of that MX of Nations and the opening round at Australian Supercross in Adelaide. The emergency department. All the injuries, 
all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. I say it every time. You don't want to be on this list. It would suck to be on this list. It's just no, not where you want to be if you want to get a good season, good results happening. You can't do that when you're on this list. Now, let's go straight into the Australian Supercross. There wasn't too many crashes. There was a few, um, a few bike breaks because of it. Uh, but not as many injuries at this stage. And I think, obviously, the slower speeds... I say this before, actually, in past episodes of the podcast here, that the speed is what gets them a lot of the time when they're going faster with the bigger obstacles. When they make that mistake, it is obviously a bit more uh, impact. G-forces when they hit the ground, so then obviously that causes those things like broken bones, dislocated joints. On a slower speed track, they don't happen as much Uh there was still two that we're going to note. There's a couple others that I'm still trying to check into a little bit, uh, but I don't have details on that, so I'm not going to speculate on those things at this point in time. We'll bring them to you in a future show if we find out there's something there to talk about. So let's check in uh, that 85cc crash that we are talking about earlier. That was for Connor Gillot, and I'm not sorry if I pronounced that surname incorrectly there, uh, but Connor had that crash down in that whoop section in the 85 final for that CR22 Cup Uh Update from him off his social media page on Instagram is that he managed to cork his leg, so I dare say they'll probably concern that he'd broken that leg, and that's why he was still down on the track for most of that main event. But he also managed to get a decent burn to his stomach area. Now, the leg, the corked thigh aspect, that will go away in a couple of days to a week at most. Um, the issue for him will be how deep that burn and what grade that burn is. Now. Burns have different categories and, and depth of tissue damage. If he's into that um, second and third degree burns, he's in a bit more of a trouble and things like skin grafts and all that stuff can't start to come into play. So depending on how deep that level of tissue damage is as to how quickly this will recover and whether we'll see him at you know round two in Newcastle or not, it's too early to tell at this stage and, and obviously we don't know the details of that. I've reached out to Connor to see if he can give us an update at some point, but no no pressure on there. He's only a young kid uh, dealing with some medical things, so we'll let him be. Uh, but good to see that he put some update out there for us all to understand what's going on a little bit more with him because um, obviously everybody would be concerned about seeing him on the ground there for that most of that main event. The other major one, uh, if you want to check out that crash, it's on his Instagram as well. It turns out that cardboard tough blocks can kill. Caden uh, Minia uh, has managed to break an arm. He's had surgery on that already to repair it. But he managed to, there was a tough block down in that one of the rhythm sections by the wall, so the opposite side of the track, I think it was, to the whoop section, if I'm getting my layout right, watching it on TV. Uh, but he managed, there was a tough block down in the middle of the first double in, I think it was, and he jumped straight onto it, obviously hesitated, didn't get the drive on the next jump, went over the bars into the next jump and, yeah, just ejected from there. So Caden, unfortunately, broken right arm. He will be out for the rest of this Supercross series. Uh, so he's likely an eight-week recovery pending the if they, you know, they have to take any of that hardware out, if they're going to leave it all in. Uh, and how obviously how that bone heals in the meantime. So not the season that he wanted to have for Supercross. It ended pretty damn quickly, unfortunately. So, yeah, moving on there for Caden. You'll be watching from the sidelines for the next two rounds. All right, let's jump into those MX of Nation updates now. We only have those two. We sort of touched on them a little bit earlier. 
uh, in the show as well. But Grant Harlan, we'll just dive into a little bit more about that pelvis injury for him. Now, there's different areas of the pelvis. When you break your pelvis, there's sort of three main components of the of the pelvis that you can you sort of break as a bulk area. Uh, and depending on which one of those areas it is as to how serious it can be. Now, if you want to go to the serious level, think about Ryan Sipes. Anyone who knows the story of Ryan Sipes, he's been dealing with recovery from a fractured pelvis for probably 18 months to two years. I can't remember exactly what that time frame is for Ryan, but he's finally on the other side of it now. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, it took quite some time because he had that lower pubis area that was fractured and was requiring a bolt basically to go from one side of his pelvis through the other side and tension it to hold it together. Now, unfortunately, that was all poorly done with the surgeries it didn't heal at the beginning had to have more surgery to remove it and redo it then had to change and do it all again with a different specialist because obviously the first one wasn't doing the right job or the best job for him and that took quite some time and he wasn't able to wait bear everything for your pelvis is where everything attaches to. It's like the central point. It's the base of support for everything. Your legs go th- loads go through it. Your core attaches to it. Your upper limbs, when you create force through that, it goes through your core and into your pelvis. So it has to be strong. Um, so it, it can take a lot of load, but it also then can't take the load when it's injured. So that's why uh, Ryan was on crutches for quite some time. From what we understand from Grant Harlan's injury is that he has managed to break part of his pelvis we're not sure which part but i'm going to have a guess because we've heard from other media sources and from posts that grant has had on twitter and stuff he's obviously bored laying in a um in a french hospital bed but he has managed to get himself up and take himself to the bathroom so that tells me that he's cracked probably the ilium which is if you just touch the side of your hip um, up the top there where your pelvis sticks out that's probably the part that he's broken and if you watch that video that's basically where he lands he lands side on basically falls from height side on onto the pelvis straight like first and foremost that was the impact zone so that would make sense with that breaking his ilium it's still not great don't get me wrong but it is not the part that's going to take the load from the legs so he could still potentially get up it's still going to hurt because you're going to have your gluteal gluteal attachments all happening in that sort of area as well but um, he is yeah he's okay on the scale of pelvis bad fractures so um, he still needs surgery, and from what we understand, he's trying to get flight back from France to get surgery done in the States. Uh, he's just waiting for, obviously, the thing with all this is that insurances have to be, you know, um, approved for these medical flights to get people home. He's obviously going to have to probably come home in something like first class or a private medical flight because he has to lay down uh, for that flight duration. And then, obviously... With any injury, there's always a risk of um, a DVT, a, bl- a blood clot in the leg or some other part of the body because of the injury and the change in atmospheric pressure when you're in an aeroplane and the lack of movement that's going on. So, yeah, all these things are risks and whether he has to travel with someone like a, you know, a, d- a nurse, a doctor, we don't know those details, but that might be part of what's all the holdup for Grant. Hopefully he's getting on a plane very soon. I'm uh, not sure where that's all up to, but um, yeah, we've recorded today's emergency department a, a day after we've recorded the chat when we had the contractor on and not much has changed that we're aware of at this stage with Grant. So um, as much as we're talking about he was potentially on a flight when we recorded yesterday, I don't think that's happened just yet, but maybe it is. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, so Grant's going to be out for quite some time. Unfortunately for him, 
even with this sort of, it was going to be sort of a week or so delay before he gets to the surgery in the States. That means that he's going to be then pushing this recovery date back a little bit. Now, it's going to be an eight-week minimum, I would say, for this pelvis fracture to be recovered and at a point where he can ride. If it is just that ilium, which is that side bone we've just mentioned before, if it is through the pubis and it does in, in, involve other areas, um, you know whether there's other internal issues as well, that might then extend that time frame out a lot longer. So we we'll have to wait and see. I dare say the um, that hard dog, as they call him, won't be having the best preseason for 2024 Supercross. It's going to be a very reduced one, if at all. So have to watch this space and see how it goes with getting getting back on the bike for preseason training. And Glenn Koldenoff, let's uh, jump into that concussion discussion that we always sort of have. Now, Glenn had that concussion in the uh, Saturday qualifying race, broke a rib as well. Immediately that rules him out from at least the one-day recovery point of view because of the concussion nowadays with all these, uh, the FIM rules, the AMA concussion protocols, you basically are done straight away, which is awesome from a medical standpoint. You don't risk that second impact issue where you can uh, die from the second impact. It's something that's sort of, you know, one of those medical phenomenons that you can have occur. The brain's already in spasm and shock. Uh, and then that second impact can actually send it over the edge and you can cause other brain bleeds. Um, everything's already in a state of you know, state of repair and, and it's not functioning correctly. So, yeah, it can actually cause major problems if you have a second impact. So he's obviously sat out with that, which is awesome. The FIM ruling, he will have to then get a clearance before he returns to riding, uh, but he will have that sort of happening over a week to two. Now, obviously, good timing being the last race of the year, seeing as he won't have to worry about trying to get to a race next weekend. He's in off-season mode, so he will be fine come the time that he wants to ride and train and even race in uh, early next year because the GP guys have a very different schedule to the AMA. Obviously, their preseason races don't start until around, I think it's February or March even. So the season is a much later commencement point for the GP guys in Europe. Obviously, around their season, their their um their weather seasons as well, and that's just where those things kick off. So he's got plenty of time to recover at this point in the year, given that that was the last race for the Euro side of things. All right, that is our updates from the emergency department for this week. Not heaps, which is good. It's nice not to have heaps of injuries going around with those couple of major events that kicked off. Uh, We'll check in with obviously more of those things over the coming weeks in the lead up to uh, WSX in Abu Dhabi and also round two of the Oz Supercross in Newcastle later uh, it's about four weeks away. So we'll keep an eye on those injuries as we go in. Obviously, there might be one or two more um, during training practice crashes, etc. So we'll have to keep an eye on those things and we'll bring you that updates as we get them along the way. Let's take a quick break here on the Always Motor Podcast. We'll be back with more. Hey, this is Brett Metcalf. You're listening to Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back and we are getting close to the end of this show uh, it's been another good one here on the Always Moto podcast. Not an interview this week, unfortunately. We had two guys uh, that we were trying to get in touch with, or we had lined up essentially uh, for this week, but unfortunately things have fallen through and they'll probably be on future shows. So, yeah, just how it goes sometimes when you're trying to organize content and interviews, people aren't always where they think they're going to be 
when the time comes, just how it plays out. So unfortunately, we miss out on them for this week. But I won't give away who they are just yet. So what are we getting up to but this weekend? Something a little different here for us. It's been a while for myself since we've been obviously heading to events as a rider. Um, and we're not racing just yet, but we are. Um, get the bike ready. Yeah, Mehdi, we are going to get the bike ready this weekend. Um, we are getting the bikes ready. We are heading out to the AORC at Dungog. It's the final round of the AORC for 2023. We're heading out. Um, it's out, actually my club, Dungog Motorcycle Club, that's running the event. So we, myself, my wife, um, we're going to head out. We're going to do some sweep riding for the event as a way of working our way back into these things. It's been a little while for me. Um, the wife's been racing some of the Dirt X series this year with the kids, which has been awesome to watch. Um, but yeah, we'll be out there helping out. So we might try and get some little bits of pieces of content along the way. We'll see what we can do. Um, we might get absolutely nothing because it might be too busy with what we're doing for the club and running, helping run the event. But then the following weekend, it's New South Wales Enduro Cross Series is kicking off at Appen. Uh, and I am about to pop that entry in just so long as everything goes all right this weekend. So we might be getting the bike ready again the following week, Matty, depending on how everything goes this weekend. So busy times ahead. Um, hopefully you'll see some more content video-wise of the bikes rolling out, etc. Um, and some of the parts that we've obviously been getting. Some of those Always Moto inspections happening on uh, that, you know, are part of the bike on the Gas Gas that is the 350F. And on the Sherco, that is the 302 stroke that we are just working our way through settings. The suspension setting side of things is one of those tricky pieces. I was actually on the bike this evening. We've made some more tweaks during the week and I was just trying to check it out before uh, before going out and riding, you know, for an hour in a, in a enduro loop um, and not having any familiarity with the bike. So things are a little different. Obviously, I like to know what I'm doing now before I go out and just go nuts so um, injuries change perspective on a few things there as well but yeah so on the bike tweaking a few more things tonight getting it a bit more comfortable that Sherco is a nice bike but it comes out rather soft in the settings and even for enduro and we're just trying to tweak things just into the spot where I like to have them every bike has its own characteristics that you need to sort of learn adapt to and then obviously make it fit with the style and how you like to ride a bike and everybody's different nobody's settings should be the same uh, you can be similar but not the same and that's what i'm just trying to work through there's lots of pieces that i like to do i'm kind of a fussy bugger i like to be particular with you know lever positions bar positions grip positions particularly grips uh grip tight because i i have an issue with my left wrist from many many years ago with a fracture that i got in my left wrist that reduced my grip strength and my, my uh, range of motion and so i'm really particular with how all those things fit and then obviously that then correlates to how i like my front suspension to feel and work and i like to then have my back compensate in a stiffness because i try to tend to put the bike over a front like the front wheel over a hole or an obstacle and throw the back into it because of that wrist position that i that issue that i have uh, but yeah just working on some of those tweaks with the suspension gurus again this week um, and just getting it closer and closer hopefully we'll be able to bring you one of these shows on the shirko on the settings and the things that we've worked into uh, because we've had a few interesting moments i broke a couple of spokes the other day Found out that Sherco Australia is very easy to order from online to get some um, replacement spokes, and they sent them, you know, sent them up in the post within two days, which was awesome. Uh, so that was very, very handy. So yeah, Sherco Motorcycles Australia, check out their website if you need some parts. It was actually quite easy to do. 
But that's what we're up to this weekend. So we'll be heading out to that Dungog event, watching the AORC, which is an enduro format this time. So card-carrying enduro out in the forest, needed registration. It should be some good fun and some good riding and a lot of bike time for me, which will be the most bike time I've had in one go since my injury, which is, well, geez, we're heading for uh, 16 months or something now. So, um, yeah, it's quite a ways behind me, which is awesome. Um, also funny story actually i've just thought of something i'll finish on before we go to the outro section of this show i had to go and get a medical clearance i have been on the suspended medical list from the motorcycling australia licensing point of view obviously when you get taken out of an event in an ambulance uh you are ending end up on that medical suspension list and i actually let my license lapse i'd didn't need it for quite some time, so I wasn't paying that bill. And I went on to check to see if I was still on that list. And yep, still sure as shit, I was on that list. Uh, so I had to go into the doctor and get clearance. Now, me as a physio, you'd think the doctor would trust that I was fit and healthy when I came in and asked for that letter of clearance. But doctors are funny people. Um, any doctors out there, if you're listening, you should trust in the physio that has been doing a lot of hard work and has videos of them already on the bike um, and doing the activities that they are asking to be cleared for. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, doctors aren't always the most straightforward people, particularly when you say, I need a motorcycle license, a clearance for a motorcycle license. They just look at you with you know, a very blank look. They don't understand. So, Try and give them some, some context as to what's going on, but also don't give them too much because you'll just confuse the issue. <laughs> it's just what seemed to happen with me. I had to backtrack on a few things and just get the clearance as much as I could, which I mean, I am fully fit and healthy to do it. It's just the doctors are, doctors are painful. I work with them often as part of my day job and it's not something that always goes to plan. They have very different ideas and they like to be the ones that make the decisions Um bit of the god complex there <laughs> more so the specialists but the gps as well anyway a bit of a funny one there so yeah interesting moments they didn't understand what i was after or hoping for and they wanted to test me and i was happy to show that i could do everything and anything so that was a good thing for me being ready to go all right let's finish there let's uh wrap up this show so thanks for listening guys and girls it's always nice having you here on the always moto podcast make sure you're letting your friends know that this is happening and you're listening to this show and maybe get them on board as well be awesome to get a few more listeners coming into the uh always moto space here and if you want to get involved with that always moto group chat that we've got going on we've got a good i think it's 15 or 20 people in that chat now um it's only it's a small group but we're getting a lot of good content a lot of sharing of um ideas and and rumors and all that sort of stuff that's happening in the industry so if you want to know what's going on in the world it's a good place to be a part of so uh, send us a dm on instagram and we can join you into that chat myself or benny the contractor um, grino22 at instagram or that always moto page you can send me a dm through there and we can get you in there now you got to stay up to date with all those things on always moto's instagram page so make sure you're following and subscribe to those pages and the podcast feed and if your podcast app allows please leave us a rating uh, don't forget we need those t-shirt orders as well info at alwaysmoto.com to get those t-shirt orders in uh, but that's it for this show thanks to competitive edge performance slamboard guy endurance recovery boots and tech 1673 d printing for the show support Thanks to the Always Moto Contractor. Thanks to Blair for Blair's ball-busting babble question this week. Thanks to you guys and girls for listening. And remember, you need to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever I can make it stick. <laughs>